Today at Heartland, we're concluding our series called Thresholds. I'm Seth Davidson, and I get to bring us home by talking about the threshold of God's goodness over the past 10 years to his goodness into our future. Thanks for joining us today. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14 goes like this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. See, when God wants to change the world, he gets his people praying. In 1806, it was a group of five college students in Massachusetts. They came together twice a week to pray that God might break into their lives and change the world through them. And as the story goes, as they were on their way to one of those regular praying times on a hot August day, this incredible thunderstorm erupts with lightning and and all that. And so they have to seek shelter under this very large hay bale just outside of their campus, Williams College. And as they're under this shade of this hay bale, staying out from the rain, the passion of God is on fire within them. And one of them, a freshman, Samuel Mills says, I think God's calling us to go to India. Now in that day, there wasn't really international missions by and large yet. But Samuel Mills says, I think God's calling us to go to India. And Harvey Loomis says, yes, I agree. But first, we've got to go to America and reach people for Jesus. And so they prayed and they planned and they dreamed and they prayed some more. And within four years from that little group, the first international sending mission agency from America to the world was born. And historians look back at that group, that prayer meeting of five college students outside of a hay bale in the rain as where all of American missions started. You see, when God wants to change the world, he gets his people praying. Fast forward 180 years to our city, a group of 23 men and women, pioneers, who have a heart for Jesus and a heart for their neighbors, but haven't found a church in the city that they can invite them to, got together in a basement. This is a story where Heartland begins of our founders, those 23. And at the time, uh, Craig McElvain, the pastor, was wearing jeans and, and sandals, and that was a big no-no. And, and he gave his sermons from a pulpit that was uh, one of those uh, clothing iron things. Like, that's ironing board. Thank you. <laughs> you were there, maybe, or you've heard the story. And so they dreamed, and they planned, and they prayed. And now, 34 years later, we have a church in our city. There are incredible churches all over our city. And we get to be one that still today has that same heart and passion and desire to be a place where those who don't do Jesus can come and encounter the living God, have their lives changed from the inside out, and go out into the world alongside. When God wants to change a church, he gets his people praying. Ten years after that, a new family moves to Kansas City, Randy and Lori. Lori has a one-year-old. She could not be more lost using her own words. But a member, one of those 23, befriends her. 
uh, goes out of her way to care for her, to pray for her. Eventually, Lori says yes to Jesus. And Lori begins to pray. And then her husband, Randy, comes to faith in Jesus. And eventually, her two sons come to faith in Jesus. And her West Coast family, now 10 other members, have come to faith in Jesus. Because when God wants to change a person's life, or a wife, or a husband, or a family, he gets his people praying. Do you believe that? If... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So today's about Thanksgiving. Yes, we're grateful for what God has done in 10 years while we've had a part of gathering together in this incredible building And it's also a time where we focus on prayer because that's the way it's always been. God wants to change the world, so what does he do? He starts by getting his people praying. Do you believe that? Can we renew that in our day? Because God wants to change our city, our church, and the world one life at a time. So the passage we've chosen is a really uh, important passage for me, for our Heartland family. It's an important passage uh, in, in the church throughout the world that speaks of how God will move and bring change and transformation. It's the idea of revival. Revival is a fancy way of saying God moves and changes communities and people, turns them upside down. But the way it works is that renewal always precedes revival. God wants to change the world. So what does he do? He changes the church. He changes you and I. He gets his people praying. What you may not know about this passage is it came at, the, at an important time in the life of Israel. So forgive me for real quickly giving you a history lesson on the nation of Israel. So there's a God, Yahweh, the creator, whom we sang about. How great is that God? And he chose a group of people, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and a nation that would surround them. That would be Israel, and God had a plan for this people, and God had a promised land that he would give this people, but then these people went into slavery, and they cried out to God, and God rescued them by delivering them from Israel, and then he sent them to the promised land, but it took a really long time to get there. And during that time, the people built what was called the tabernacle. The tabernacle is like a sweet tent. This is like God glamping for those of you who, like this is the tabernacle because they didn't have a fixed place. They would follow God wherever he led and when he would stop, they'd set up the tent. And that's where God chose to reveal himself to his people in that place in that day. And so this happens all the way up until you get to the the life of David. Remember David from our I Am series, Israel's greatest king? Uh, he's, He's mighty, he's powerful, he's a worshiper of God, he has this incredible palace, but his heart begins to break because he's like, I'm a man and I have an incredible palace and I serve an incredible God who still is living in a tent. 
And so he has a dream on his heart to build a temple, a permanent place where God would dwell among his people. But that dream isn't fulfilled in the life of David. That dream is fulfilled through David's son, Solomon. And so Solomon uh, rallies the people of God. They give generously and they work hard and they create this incredible temple that would have been like one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. And they're overjoyed because they have a place where God can encounter them permanently. And so it's at that dedication moment in that new temple, in that place where we get to this passage. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 6. We'll back up just a little bit. And I want you to see a progression that happens here. So it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. And he said, Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. Lord God, do not reject your anointed one. Remember the great love you promised to David, your servant. And so he offers this prayer of dedication. And God seems to be pleased because he responds with his presence and power. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests couldn't enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord had filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Did you see a progression there? God's people prayed. God showed up with his presence and power. And in awe, worship and celebration was their overwhelming response. God's people pray. God shows up. And we can do nothing but stand in awe and worship and gratitude for God. So as we enter this Thanksgiving week, it is my hope that you're experiencing overflow and celebration, that there are things you're grateful and want to celebrate personally, just as we're celebrating corporately. I hope you're experiencing that. But maybe there are things that have crept in that have robbed your joy, where it's been really hard for you to be grateful. What do we do? Where do we start if we're in that place. Maybe we should start with prayer. Prayer sounds like one of those big words, kind of hard to understand. How do you pray right? How do you know God's listening to you? When I pray, it doesn't seem like he's listening at all. Prayer is really simple and really hard to do. Prayer is just a conversation. Thoughts in your mind feelings in your heart that you try to verbalize to a God who you may believe is there, but you can't really touch, smell, taste, or feel. See, we often like make prayer really, like we say it's easy, but it's really complex, and we give, no, it's really simple. It's just really hard to do. 
especially when the worries of life or our own agendas get in the way. And so that's why, in part, when God wants to move in the world, he'll wait until we'll get past ourselves, till we surrender the good things or the bad things, when we want him more than our situation to be fixed. And when we pray, our problems and accomplishments become smaller. Our God becomes right-sized. He gets bigger. And yes, he will answer our prayers. Maybe not in the time we want, in the ways we want, but he will answer. When God wants to change a life or a family or a community or a church or the world, he'll start by getting our attention. And that makes us pause and remember who we are, and we start with prayer. So I want to take us into that sanctuary in that temple. And don't worry, this shouldn't be super weird, at least no more weird than what Shabu took us through, uh, which was awesome. Thanks, buddy. No, seriously, like, we don't do that a whole lot, and we're also not a, a faith tradition here that does a lot of, like, reading and response, But it seems like in that text, did you hear their overwhelming response? They said, he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Well, that's Psalm 118. That was written by Solomon's father, David. And so they're just singing this song or chanting these words. And I want to give us the opportunity to say a few of those words together. And again, this may not be something you're used to, and it's okay. And the first time you say it, it may feel weird. And hopefully by the fifth time, wherever you're at today, personally or collectively, we might be able to be grateful for something. So I'm going to read a passage from Psalm 118 just five times, very simple. Your response is just the same each time, and it comes from the text. It says, he is good, his faithful love endures forever. You game for that? Okay, so here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. He is good. Excellent. Next one. Where are we? Give thanks. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. Awesome. Last one. You are my God, and I will give you thanks that you are my God, and I will exalt you. So this is happening in that moment, and God seems to come down with fire and with his presence, and they're amazed, and all they can do is fall face down and worship. Verse 10 concludes. Then at the end of the celebration, Solomon sent the people home. They were all joyful and glad because the Lord had been so good to David and to Solomon and all his people. So God's people pray. God responds with his presence and in power. And praise and celebration is the result. And it's this context 
that is the setting of the passage I started with, that has been sort of a, a, a light match on the spirit of movement and revival throughout the centuries, that passage in First Chronicles, again, that I started with. Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. And then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. My eyes will be opened and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. There are so many things about this passage of which I really don't have time to go into. We've talked about the power of prayer. We've talked about how when God wants to bring revival to a community of the world, he begins by renewing his people. We can also see here that sometimes the challenges we face, there are challenges in the world around us. Sometimes our challenges are self-inflicted. But there are other times where maybe because of our obstinance or or thinking too highly of ourselves, or for whatever reason, God chooses to step back. He chooses to not allow our plans for our best life to go as we hope. To get us to a place of surrender. Because when we're in that place, prayer is our only option. And then he's able to work and to respond. He brings humility. He brings repentance. He brings seeking of his face more than our agenda. He brings prayer. And then he responds. He hears our prayer. He forgives our sin. And he heals the land beyond us. There's one more thing that captivates me about this idea, and it's simply this. There are significances of place in Scripture where God uniquely dwells, and I believe the same is true for us today. So, of course, God is everywhere, and we're grateful for that. And of course, we who are in Christ have his spirit living within us. And so God is with us. But for reasons I don't fully understand, God chooses sometimes in some places where he will come. And Heartland, I believe this time and this place and this physical location is one of those holy places. A city on a hill, sure. A city on a hill and holy ground. And you know what? we almost didn't have this location 10 to 12 years ago. See, it was a time that we call the blindfold years. Do we have that? We look back, maybe those of us who were around pretty fondly of this time, but we may forget how difficult it was. 
There was a transition in senior leadership, and, and it was uncertain for a while when Craig McElvain handed the baton to Dan Diebel and a new team was forming. And there were some significant problems we encountered at the old building. There weren't enough seats for all the people who wanted to come, and there weren't enough parking spots to get there. And so we knew we needed to do something different, that God was calling us to go, but he didn't tell us where. And days and weeks and months of planning and praying, God, we'll go wherever you, you say, where do you want us? And at the time, we weren't at all thinking about Olathe. Because it was much further away from where the other building was. But the Lord opened up this property and, and the team began to pray. I think this may be it. But there was a problem. We could not afford it. Absolutely no way under any circumstances could we afford it if not for Walmart. So this property was worth twice what we paid-ish. I'm probably gonna get some details wrong. I apologize. Um, but this, we couldn't afford it. There were some owners, but Walmart still like owned it and had to pay money for it. So we made a pitch to Walmart. Hey, if we can sell this, you won't have to keep paying all this money for years upon years because it had been vacant. But as Steve Fisher, our ops guy, says, Walmart was not willing to play ball. And so Dan had gotten a call from uh, the realtor saying, it just doesn't look like it's gonna happen. And so he took that sober news to the staff and they just decided to pray. There was a young staff gal named April Tebby who was part of that staff prayer time and had some words and had an experience that I think has led us to this point and may even be a picture into the future. So let's look at April's story. When I started coming, I attended by myself and sat and listened to the sermons and really enjoyed Max teaching and the worship, and then after a few months, I got involved in women's Bible study, and, and also I met my husband at Heartland, and just um, it's provided the background soundtrack to my life for the last 18 years in relationships and community and leading and learning and serving, so it's been a long time. And, well, for the Go campaign, it played an interesting role in my life because it actually opened up an opportunity for me to apply for and land my dream job. So we would come to the big building for staff meetings and prayer meetings. And at one of the staff meetings, it was around the time with the Go campaign and trying to find a building and praying about a building. And they had found the one in Olathe. I believe it was Dan sharing at the staff meeting that it didn't really look like it was going to happen. And so we took a time to pray in the staff meeting. And I remember I was praying with my head bowed and the phrase, if my people will humble themselves and pray, came to mind. I knew it was from the Bible. I didn't know what the reference was, what the verse was. And so um, I left and went back to our office and Googled the phrase on the computer and it ended up being 2 Chronicles 7.14. Really a summation of the verse was what was coming to my mind. And it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I remember really clinging to was 
will he, I will heal their land. And just thinking about we're looking for land, trying to have land to build a church. For the prayer walk, I remember doing it with Chad. I remember him coming. And I remember how biblical it felt, for lack of a better word. We were walking around the walls. I remember touching the walls while we were walking and praying during those times. During the time when we were had the building and we were prepping for inviting and what it would look like to move and be able to have enough parking spaces to invite people to come and things like that. They had us write names down on a three by five card of folks that we would like to see through, in, through prayer at the next church building. So I wrote down all my coworkers' names at the time. At the time I had my friends from church and my coworkers because I really didn't know anyone. Fast forward to moving into the building and having the building here, and I had one coworker that I kept inviting, kept inviting, and she finally came uh, one Sunday when we were in the new building and brought her family. She liked it so much they kept coming back. So all in all, at one point, there were five of my coworkers out of eight coming into this building, and if you'll believe it, I did not really remember that I had written their names down on that card. And. There was one Sunday where they, when we were in this building that they showed footage of the unfinished space and they were writing names down from those cards on the beams of the building. I did not realize until that video was being shown that the very people sitting next to me, I had written their names on the walls. And I said to them, I turned and I said, Julie, do you know your names are written on these walls? You know, like, it's amazing, you can do something and not even remember that you did it, and God does it and reveals it to you. So, but I've always felt comfortable to invite people here, and God has used this building to be a place where I could invite coworkers, neighbors, family members. Well, I'd hope it continue to be a place where I can invite, you know, friends, neighbors, family, um, to events, programs, Bible studies, um, continue to be a place that's a blessing where we come here and are filled up and are equipped and encouraged and have a safe haven to come for Christian community. And then because we're filled up, we're able to pour out in our community. So make no mistake, this is a threshold moment. The past 10 years, God has been so good and so faithful, and we'll celebrate that together here in just a moment. And it's moving from a last season that was good, and I believe into a new season that will be even better. That our next 10 years or 20 years or however many years God gives us there will be exponential impact because he's chosen to dwell here. He has a dream and plan for us. And I don't know about you, but this feels a little bit like another blindfold moment. Feels like I'm not exactly sure where everything is heading. God does his best work during those times. Why? Because if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face. 
if we will turn from our wicked ways, then it's promise. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will hear your land, heal your land. So as we're on this threshold, let's celebrate the last 10, but let's look to the future. I'm gonna have you stand if you would. We're getting ready to enter into worship and communion, but maybe in the spirit of kind of worship and response, I'm gonna share some of what God has done over the past 10 years, and I'd love for you, if you're inclined, to say with me after each, each little phrase, he's good, his, love endure, his faithful love endures forever. Can you do that? Okay, so check this out. I was blown away as I started hearing from our staff team all the ways God had moved in the last 10 years, including over the past 10 years, God has brought 1,110 people to saving faith in Jesus Christ through baptism here. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Over the past 10 years, God has brought 1,400 people through the Alpha Experience, which is a safe place to ask questions, uh, to explore the good news of Jesus, to encounter the Spirit and engage in community. 1,400 people. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Thinking about Heartland Kids, over the past 10 years, there have been 263,000 kids' tags printed, which means 263,000 hours for a child getting to encounter the love of Jesus in age-appropriate ways. And 707 of our children have been baptized and dedicated into the faith. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Over the past 10 years, in addition to all of the generosity you've given in terms of tithes and offerings, we as a church have been able to give $1.9 million to mission endeavors, including $640,000 in our compassion fund to people and families in need. He is good, and his faithful love endures forever. Over the past 10 years, God has allowed us to package and send 1.5 million meals through our food packing events, to distribute 620,000 pounds of food to 33,000 neighbors in need, and to give 2,800 food pantry boxes, each of which has, felt, has fed uh, 11,000 people for a week. He is good, and his faithful love has doers forever. God's allowed us to fill up 35 box truckloads of goods, donations to give to our partners at Mission Adelante and Adelante Thrift. You've donated, we've been able to give 12,207 gifts from the heart. We saw those earlier, 12,000 to families in need. We've donated 2,000 backpacks to our Oetha school partners that give kids supplies for the year. We've donated 2,000 Bibles to our recovery ministry, which has seen 500 men and women come to faith in Jesus Christ. He is good, and his faithful love endures forever. And that's just a slice. There's so much more that has happened in our lives individually and collectively, maybe in your life as well. He is good, and his faithful love endures forever. He's been good to us collectively, and he's here right now. And he wants to connect with you personally. And so we'll do this through communion. If we have prayer or communion ministers, you can come forward at this time. This is collectively true, but it's also, again, personally true. If you're stuck, if you're in a really difficult spot, 
the same patterns available. If you will humble yourself and pray, and if you'll seek God's face, and if you'll turn from whatever way is not pleasing to God, he'll hear your prayer, he'll forgive your sin, and he'll be at work in your land, small or wide. The way we do communion here at Heartland, it's open to anyone who would say, I have a faith in Jesus. Um, And if that's not you, we're so glad you're here. Just taking the words of the song, taking this moment, maybe try your hand at praying during this time. And so when we take the the cracker, it's it's in remembrance that this uh, represents Jesus's body that was broken on our behalf. And when we dip it in the cup, that represents that Jesus' blood was shed on behalf of our sins, your sin and mine. And when we eat, that's a reminder that that God's grace is lavished upon us anew, that he's taken our sin and all the penalty thereof and given us new life in him. And so I'm going to say a prayer. And when I'm done, you can, if you are inclined, uh, come and take communion. And use this time to humble yourself and pray. Turn whatever you need to. Seek God in whatever way he's asking. I believe the best years are yet to come for us individually and collectively. And it can start today. For you and for me. Jesus, thank you for your life that you showed us the way to live. Thank you for your death that you made the way to God. And thank you that you were raised. And because you were, we might be too on the last day. Lord, you are here. You are doing your work. You are drawing your sons and daughters to yourself. Will you give us the courage, individually and collectively, to come with humility and prayer, to seek you to the best of our ability, to turn from anything that would keep us from you. May these common elements become your deposit of grace for us. Will you change us from the inside out? Send us into the world to be and bring good news. We lift this up in Jesus' name.